Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 57 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for joining me again. I am loving the sunshine. Thank God it is summer. I can't believe it's almost June. Summer goes by so fast, so everyone just needs to stop and take this in because we only have a few more months of the lovely summer in Calgary. So let's jump into today's interview. Um, This one actually came kind of as a surprise. So lots of times people ask me like how I decide who's going to be a guest on this podcast and I'm super open to whoever really wants to be on it or if people recommend people or if I find people, there isn't really like a set way of finding people to be on this podcast and so today's guest who is Jason Smith is the owner of Bow Developments um, which is like a a real estate development is what that means just to clarify (laughs) and uh, he was recommended by one of my friends at a PR company and this is an awesome episode and sometimes you just never know with people and what they're doing and like is this gonna fit in is this gonna be interesting what are they gonna say if I've never met them before if I've never like really seen what their work is because I'm so used to local products and services that just everybody uses all the time as opposed to like this which is like a home development company Um, but Jason is awesome he does public speaking so he is very articulate in what he's trying to say And he also has a ton of experience in business and starting a company. He owns like a development company, which I think is crazy because you just never like, how do you start building houses? Um, And he has a really crazy story about, he's always like, he's built, he built a house when he was young with his dad. And so um, it was just meant to be that he was going to be the one to organize building houses for a career because I wouldn't be able to build a house if someone was forcing me to. So this is a great episode. Um, it's a little, it's not on the long side, but it's definitely worth listening to the whole thing. He has a ton of advice for um, not only first time home buyers, which is also relevant to me because we just built um, our house a year ago or two years ago and but also for business so if you're an entrepreneur or you're thinking about starting a business or you have a side hustle or whatever it is you're doing jason has a lot of good advice for you as well um so in this episode jason shares his advice for home buying and business owning um he talks about building a relationship with customers and how he takes the a different approach to home buying. Jason talks about the problem with expectations and why it's so important to be in the present and really live in the moment as an entrepreneur. And he talks about how to build your team, why knowing who you are is important for fostering a like-minded team and the importance of listening when it comes to managing your people. Jason gives tips for finding a work-life balance with the help of delegating, prioritizing your time and learning to say no to things, which I think is something that we can all take to heart. So let's jump into it. This is Jason Smith. Do you want to start with introducing yourself and what you do and then give us 
three fun facts to get to know you. Sure. Um, my name is Jason M. Smith. Um, I am a business owner here in Calgary. I own Bow Development. Um, so what we do is inner city um, family condo development. And so I'm a construction expert. Um, I am a human orchestrator, I like to call it, um, because there's a lot, a lot of moving parts in these, in these large projects. Um, I grew up in Calgary. I played high-level hockey here and high-level soccer. Uh, I've been in business for myself for about 22 years and uh, in you know, designing and building homes and all different kinds of things. Uh, I'm an avid traveler and, um, and personal development um, advocate and participant. Um, so yeah, I've done speaking at colleges, which I continue to do, and I hope that I, I get to do more of because I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm extremely interested in how humans operate and why and neuroplasticity and, and these kinds of things. Um, and that allows me to interact with people in very authentic and effective ways, which is something that, you know, we really try to do in my company. So I guess that's a, a little bit of an introduction. Um, three fun facts. There's a, there's a new question. Um, <laughs> three fun facts. Uh, I climbed Kilimanjaro um, for my 40th birthday. And uh, surprisingly, that actually had a very big impact on how I do business day to day. So we can talk about that later, but um, I'm obsessed with golf, which as a hockey player, you would never think that you would be. That's, <laughs> that's where I am now. And uh, I've been to over 32 countries. Uh, so those are, there's some three facts. <laughs> wow. Uh, what's your favorite country you've been to? Can you pick one? Yeah, that's, that's a question you get when you say that first sentence, but it's very difficult to discern countries. Uh, Cambodia is definitely high on the list, and so is Portugal. Cool. I've never been to either, so I will take your word for it. <laughs> I got to throw R Rwanda in there, too. I almost forgot that Rwanda is absolutely amazing. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, and before we get into what you do today, do you want to talk about kind of your journey that led here? So, like, what you went to school for, start there, and then how that went. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I'll, I'll take it just a bit before that because it sort of applies. Um, I was adopted when I was five years old. So I came from Edmonton, at, and at four, I was given up by my birth mother, and at five, I was adopted by a family that lived in Calgary. So I came to Calgary, and at nine years old, I was drawing floor plans. And so obviously, the, my, you know, my fairly new parents were kind of wondering, uh, what was going on. Um, I also really liked riding bikes, but that doesn't pertain to this. Um, so I was doing that. And then, you know, at somewhat of, of a prodigious age, you know, I was really interested in spatial relations and in buildings in general, just big buildings. I, I used to draw them and try to engineer them when I was young. So uh, my dad made me build his house at, at uh, where we have a cabin. Like literally, I built it from the ground up pretty much on my own. And so, and that was at about 16. So uh, that was a great introduction for then I went to SATE. I took architecture, engineering, building development, and those types of things, um, and came out of SATE and got a job with what's basically a family member doing drawings and, and whatnot for architects in town, uh, and realized that I don't work well for others. Uh, so I, I pretty much immediately went into business for myself at that point. Nice. And so how long would you say that was like a year or two that you kind of realized that? 
Yeah, that was it was a year basically out of school, uh, early 20s. So it's been about 22, 23 years I've been in business on my own. Nice. I mean, you must know what you're talking about then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you, you learn how to fail a lot too. Don't forget about that. So Right. We will talk about that. Um, and <laughs> how, would, how did you jump into that? So do you want to take us through um, if you started with Bow Developments or how you really worked for yourself as a home builder at the beginning? Yeah, I mean... I, I, like I said, I, I had a job for a bit. And I learned, I learned, and I knew how to build homes, obviously. I, I, and I, and I knew technically how to do the drawings and all of those things. And I was, I was sort of naturally good at design. So I just went out and luckily I had a little bit of cash from my, my parents and started to, to buy land and design and build homes. And that's kind of where it started. And I did that for quite a while. Uh, you know, in 2008, I got pretty hard like a lot of people and looked at the business plan, started buying city condos and townhouses and doing flips, having um, the same amount of, of money at risk, but in more projects and more of a varied um, plan, if you will. So I did that and then uh, got hit in 15 again when, when a lot of people lost their, lost their jobs and, you know, sort of looked at everything and went, well, we've been cycling in this province for, you know, 40 or 50 years, almost every seven to 10 years, like clockwork. And I thought, well, do I want to continue to do that? Um, you know, or do I want to do something different? And so, you know, we can, you know, probably touch on this later, but I, I read a book and I got these ideas and that's kind of how, you know, Scarborough 17 started and how I sort of took this leap into this, somewhat of a ridiculous sized uh, project so <laughs> um and what makes your development stand out from other developers yeah i mean I, like i said sort of in the intro I, i've done a lot of personal work so i've really gotten clear on on who i am and what i'm about uh, i think age does that as well but what that allows is that I really looked at what I want my company's ecosystem to really be about. Um, you know, I, I've been in Calgary since I was five years old. And what I wanted Bo to help contribute to, especially in the inner city, um, is the vibrancy and the experience that people have of the city. I noticed that architecturally speaking and, and um, you know, from a building standpoint, uh, we were somewhat lacking and still are. We're a little bit behind some of the bigger cities when it comes to our downtown and our and outline as far as um, what we offer uh, tourists and even our local pedestrians. So I really wanted to make a difference there. And, uh, and, and by creating an ecosystem, like I said, of purpose and responsibility and transparency in my company, then that attracts you know, people that are aligned with that ethos to work with me and work for me. So when it comes to like, you know, what makes Bo different than other developers, and I would submit other companies a lot of the time, really is our transparency. You know, we're smaller, so that allows us to be more innovative, uh, more analytical, and allows us to pivot faster if we find that we want to go 
in a new direction or pursue something that seems to be working. So we're less worried about the bottom line, I think, than a lot of companies that start to get bigger and have uh, a lot more at risk. And, you know, more truly focused on what it is that people want. And I feel that if I, if I can give people what they want in an open and honest way, uh, their experience then should be a positive one, which I believe turns to, you know, referrals from those people, as well as loyalty moving forward, because they've gotten something from a company that they haven't experienced before. So that's, and that's what I think a business really should be striving for. Um, you know, so from our, from our sales team, you know, we've got a sales center on site now and we've got a sales team in there from them to the process of how, you know, we do things and how we will be doing things moving forward. Um, an example of that would be that I'll be doing drone fly throughs as the building's being built. Uh, I've never really seen that before from anybody, but I'm going to do drone fly throughs for people's units and I'm going to be able to email them, you know, as they see the framing and the mechanical and everything being built in their own unit. So they're really going to experience their unit coming to life, which I think is going to be really cool for them. Um, so from that stuff to the product itself, because I obviously have a passion for, you know, building the best thing that I can build so that people really love their spaces. Uh, the whole point of this is to make a difference, uh, to interact with, you know, the social fabric of the city and create things and experiences that enhance people's lives uh, and, 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 you know, elevate their lifestyles if that's what they're looking to do. Where Scarborough 17 is, we're right on 17th Avenue. So there's a lifestyle there that's fully available. And if that's what people want to do and create that type of lifestyle, then we're, 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 we're hopefully there to facilitate that. So um, a couple last things. I, I feel that by building that customer comfort uh, through shared knowledge and inclusion, if you will, um, it addresses the information asymmetry that, that, that really exists between, in this case, the builder and the customer. But I, I think a lot of times in any company and the customer. And when you can do that, you, you, you build trust with people and build friendships. And, and so I really think that's the huge difference with where I'm going with the company and, and, and the way that I look at business. I like it. And I love the drone idea. I think everyone loves a good like drone video. And I feel like it's, I like, I have a house and not an apartment, but I feel like when people are moving into that, they want to see it before they just like walk into this fully developed place. So I think that's awesome to have that like set aside a difference, um, especially in use technology that you can to really connect with the people. Yeah. And we're, we're, I mean, that's just one thing we're looking at AI with our websites and different things. There's some, there's some really cool things that are becoming available. And so, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and we'll, before we go into the business side of it, we'll do a little bit of the home buyer perspective, just cause I know my audience, they're getting into either they're buying a new home or they're thinking about buying a new home. Mm. So we'll just touch on that a little bit since you are an expert on that. Um, and because you have a different point of view with your customer builder relationship, I think that's important to like touch upon. So what would you tell people who are looking to buy their first home? Um, like what should they look for? What should they ask when they go into, if it's your sales center or whatever they're looking at? That's a long winded question, but feel free to touch on any of those points. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I gave you a long winded answer last time. So, um, <laughs> Well, I think, I think first and foremost, you want to look at the builder. So, you know, in our case, um, 
I'm the developer. I have a, a general contractor who's the builder, right? You really want to look at that uh, group and, and make sure that, that you're comfortable with what they do. You know, in our case, it's Lear Construction. They're a really, really big outfit and they excel at this four-story wood frame product. So that's the first thing because you want to look at the quality that they build, the sound attenuation in terms of buildings. I'll speak mostly to that. And, and all of those types of things that are really important to, um, you know, a, a buyer that's going to live in a space. So that's, I think, one thing. Um, you want to look at uh, your completion dates, right? So if you're buying new, you want to look at the completion dates because that's, that's important for so many different aspects of getting your mortgage, timing, moving, selling your other house. There's all kinds of things to look at that way, right? Um, and, and again, if we're talking about condos, you want to look at parking. That's another pretty important thing, especially when you're dealing with inner city stuff, downtown stuff. Um, and then um, for us, I think one of the, uh, another very important thing from a buyer perspective is to look at the warranty program. There are several warranty programs out there with different builders, but Alberta New Home Warranty Program is by far the most stringent for a builder to become a part of. And so, you know, there's, there's a, you know, national and there's, uh, progressive, some of those stuff, but the Alberta new home warranty program is, is by far the best, uh, program out there. So if you can make sure that your builder has, has a warranty program, that's another thing that's going to help you. It's going to help you replace deposits. If the project doesn't go forward, it ensures, you know, workmanship and materials and quality and things like that moving forward. So that's a pretty important aspect as well. And then I think from a buyer perspective, you really want to know your numbers, right? You want to know what the monthly expenses are going to be for whatever property you're buying so that you're not going to get, you know, caught when you go to close and you get hit with closing costs. And, you know, your first month or two months is a lot more than you'd plan for. So that's always a thing because that's going to give you a native um, experience of owning this new home that was supposed to be super exciting. So, um, and then I think, you know, looking again, talking more about condo buildings and, and inner city stuff, you want to sort of ask what the future plans are around the site. Cause a lot of times you buy and you've got this view and the next thing you know, they're throwing up a rental building beside you or something and, and, and your, your property is going to take a hit as far as its value. So you want to kind of know what's going on in the, in the near future and, and what could possibly be built around your site so that you can mitigate your, your uh, values over time and, and hopefully gain values in your properties. And then, Aside from all that, which is the, you know, sort of boring paperwork stuff, uh, lifestyle and happiness. I think you really want to look at, does this fit the lifestyle I want moving forward? And is this something that's really going to create happiness for me and, and be the type of life I want to live? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. It's funny you said that because our we built in um, Nolan Hill, so we're very far away from inner city. And I have lots of friends that yeah. are living inner city and they're like, never, they'll never come out here because they're like, why would you live basically in Airdrie? Um, <laughs> but it's important to think about when you're <laughs> buying a place. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and you put on a beers and mortgages event a few months ago uh, where you answered all these questions. People could come and ask you questions. Um, what were the most common questions? Was it really just what you just touched upon or were there um, other questions that tended to come up a lot? Yeah, there was, it was great. It was, it was pretty much all younger people, first time buyers and they're, they're really excited. And, and there was definitely some common threads. Uh, it's a great question. The first one is definitely 
how do I qualify and how much can I qualify for? So that's the first thing that they asked. And it's also the first thing that you want to know, because if you can qualify for 350, but you're looking at $500,000 homes, that's a huge waste of everyone's time. So that's the first thing. Um, the second one was how do down payments work? There's, there's so much misinformation on, you know, online and all these, these kinds of things about down payments and what you need. And I literally had people come up to me after we presented and we're like, I'm so glad that you told me that you have Alberta new home warranty and that you accept 5% down payments. Cause I still had it. My parents, it told me that I still needed 25%. So, you know, here I am thinking I need 60 or $70,000 to, to buy a home. When in fact, if, if you took, you know, one of our bedrooms, it's 15,000. Well, that's a game changer for somebody, right? Uh, right. You could come up with 15,000, 60 or 70 is a little tougher. So that was, that was huge for people, I think. And then of course the stress test and mortgage rules and those types of things, you know, those are things again, that people are just trying to get facts around and, and it's, and it's tough to do so. So when it comes to that stuff, um, you know, I've got a partner of mine, uh, Brad, that my, my mortgage guy that came to that event with us and spoke, and he's very well-versed in all of the things about buying homes and especially for buyers, because they do change from year to year. So it's, it's good to keep up with them. So um, he would be the, the best guy to talk about that kind of stuff with. And are you putting on more of those types of events? Is that a regular thing or is that just like a one-time event? Yeah, we did that to see, uh, you know, what kind of response we got and, and we, we got great response. So I think we're going to do that uh, on a regular basis. It may not be me every time, but it'll be my sales team or like I said, Brad Gavin, uh, mortgage specialist. And it probably, you know, will be maybe a monthly thing at the sales center like that. So people can come in and, and at their own sort of, you know, leisure and, and get the information that they, that they need. Right. Well, and then you get them kind of like in the space too. So not only like, are you changing their knowledge about what they can afford, but then if they do want inner city, they're like, Oh, I can be here on 17th Ave, which usually that's what people are looking for if they're coming down there anyways. Of course. Um, and let's go back to you and the business side of it. Um, what have been some of the challenges that you faced or failures, as you mentioned at the beginning, um, that have led to some of the greatest lessons since you've started? Oh, hope you got some time. Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, owning your own business, um, despite what you can, you might sometimes hear from the uh, dot com billionaires that that strike rich. It it's an uphill battle a lot of the time. There is a lot of failures. So I mean, just in this project alone, which is which is going on two and a half years now since I started this. You know, I had a a partner basically that committed fraud to the company, so I had to like buy him out and and deal with all of the the you know shrapnel from that as far as you know my consultants and all the different people involved in the project. So I had to have conversations with everybody and keep the project alive, keep it going and deal with that as well. Um, there's the market itself. So in my business, you know, you're, you're, you're fairly dependent upon somewhat of a strong market. And that obviously hasn't been the case for the last few years. Um, so it tests your, your faith in yourself and your business and everything else. Uh, it definitely teaches you patience and, and innovation, you know, taking actions despite constant <laughs> what seem like failures. Um, and, 
really, you know, really builds equanimity for yourself, like, you know, stability under any type of pressure. So, I mean, that's a great thing. And I've, I've often told my, especially my sales team throughout this last couple of years, it's like, when we make it through this and, and we've been pushed to the, the far corners of thinking and innovation and how, how we rise above this, we're going to be, you know, our systems and processes are going to be so strong that we'll be able to make it through any type of, of, um, you know, market whatsoever moving forward. So, um, you know, I truly, truly believe that great successes and great failures in a, when you're a business owner like this are, are pretty much the same thing. Uh, if you look at it that way, it, it's how those occur to you and what you take from them. And more importantly, what you do with all of that. Uh, I have this thing that I always say to myself when something goes quote unquote wrong. And that is, I guess this is not how it's going to go. Um, so what's the next action, right? So expectations can often get people down because you expected something to go a certain way. But in entrepreneurship and owning a business, especially in this market, you literally can't have expectations. There are how you would like it to go and how you're creating it to go, but it won't go that way. So you need to be able to, to see that and not be stopped by it, be able to take the next actions. Um, and then I think the greatest thing that I've learned through all of the adversity through the you know 23 years of business is really to be present to the fact that you are inside of the journey. And that way, as bad as it may seem some days, or even as good as it may seem some days, you're inside of the journey. And if you're, if you're present to that, then you understand that you just keep taking actions and you just keep taking actions. And when you hear uber successful people talking, they're always looking back going, I really wish I'd have been more present to the journey. <laughs> you know, here I am now. And, and it seems like I was an overnight success, but really it took years and years of grinding. And that's something that I'm super grateful for that every day I, I really look at like, oh, I'm in it. This is it. This is what it looks like to be an entrepreneur and to be successful. Right. I think that's a good attitude to have because I feel like you could get caught up in the challenges and working by yourself and working for yourself and everything. So to have the attitude that like you get to be an entrepreneur and get to face all these challenges is a good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just mentioned your business partner situation. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, how to pick partners in business, how to put a team together um, and what you look for in your team? Yeah, for sure. And, and I've, I've grown myself in that area as well over the last, you know, two and a half years, obviously um, that is how you don't do it, but I will talk more about how I've learned to do it. Um, I teach at SAIT and at Bow Valley. I do, I do um, uh, talks to some of the entrepreneurship classes and even the marketing classes. And this is one thing that we definitely talk about is how do you find people to work with that are aligned with what you're about? So the first thing really for me is to, is to get clear on and do the work for yourself to build what it is that you want your company ethos and brand really to be. Um, I see my job as, as innovation, quantification and orchestration. The innovation really, a lot of it is about myself and about getting myself to be, to, to, to really be clear on what it is that I want to move forward. And some of that we've, we've talked about as far as my, the way that I view customers and, and everything like that. Um, the quantification is the boring stuff, but you have to know your numbers. You got to understand how the business works and, and know where your profits and losses and, and, and risks and, and benefits can be. 
And then orchestration is what is what your question pertains to, which is the people and how to get everybody aligned, inspired, and moving forward. So um, I find if the people are aligned with my end goals and 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 I build an ecosystem of people that are on board with that stuff, which is the values, the goals, the things that we love, the things we're good at, having purpose, uh, having a lifestyle that works, uh, you know, all of those things on a granular level, um, then, you know, the machine's going to work a lot uh, smoother and you can, you can create open lines of dialogue and communication, which allow people to have the power to be able to, to say what they need to say. And, and, and that always translates into uh, a better performance from people. So I, you know, th that would be to me how you put a team together. Um, and it's not, you know, you might get the odd person that just this doesn't work, doesn't work with that. Uh, and, and you have to be able to, to say no, you know, and to be able to, to really recognize that and, and choose, continue to move forward and choose the people that are going to work with you and experience and grow and contribute with you. Right. And you've kind of touched upon it if people are building a team, but is there any more advice you would add to that um, for people who are either just starting to manage a team or have to manage a team? Cause I know that people management can make or break sometimes a person or a company. Uh, so do you have anything else to add to what you just said? Yeah. And, and being a business owner or, or at the top of the pyramid, if you will, is, is no different. And definitely uh, when you're managing a team, the first, the first and foremost thing you want to do is be able to listen. So, you know, there's a, there's a book called how to win friends and influence people. I'm sure you know of it. It's very, very popular, but really there's a, there's a main aspect of that book that you pull out of there. That is how do I give people what they need? Cause I will in turn get what I need. Now, you know, a lot of our current humanity maybe doesn't work that way. They work in terms of, I just want to get what I need. But I find that if you listen to people and give them what they need, they will perform better. And you at the end of the day will get what you need. So if you enable people to fulfill on their purpose and their potential, um, an environment where they're happy and comfortable, like I was talking about before, um, then, you know, you're going to get what you need. There's a quote and I, I don't off the top of my head, remember who did it, but I really like it in terms of this uh, particular topic. And then that is happiness is the joy you feel moving towards your potential. So all that is, is allowing people getting, listening to them and understanding what it is that they want, seeing what they're good at and allowing them to do that and to contribute in those ways. So I think that's the best way to manage people. Yeah, I like it. And it's a very like thorough way um, to keep your, the values, I guess, aligned with your team as well. So if that's how you feel and that's how you're acting, then they will reciprocate, hopefully. Yeah, show, show by doing for sure. Yeah. Um, and continuing your advice giving, um, for someone who wants to start their own company, what would you suggest? I feel like there's a lot of people nowadays that have realized they can work for themselves. So what would you say to those people who don't know how to take that leap? Yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot. I mean, you want to be somewhat fastidious in how you go about that for sure. Uh, the first thing that I, I think that I would do is try to find a mentor or somebody that has done whatever it is that you're looking to do. Uh, not someone who thinks they know how or learned it in school, 
I'm talking about someone who has done it, who's been out there and done what it is you're looking to do. That, that, because that person will give you more advice than I'm going to be able to give you here, but on a continual basis and hopefully be able to push you through some of the hard times. So that's, that's pretty important. Uh, and then of course, I, again, I'll touch on the financial stuff. Like you have to know your numbers. That's, it was, it was my weak point growing up and I've come full circle on that because you can't run a business unless you understand the numbers and how it's going to operate period. Like you can't talk to lenders. You can't talk to bankers. You, you need to understand it inside and out. So that's, that's very, very important. And then as we've touched on previously, you also need to know you, you want to know you and you want to create a brand and you want to be clear on who you are and what you want, because that's how you can then, you know, go out and start selling that. And, and people don't usually buy a product. They buy a story, they buy a feeling. Uh, so, so those are things that you need, need to do. And, and you don't want to be perfunctory about how you move along in your business. You want to mind the details. Um, there was a, there's another one of my favorite books, E-Myth, uh, the E-Myth Revisited. And he talks about how the E-Myth is the entrepreneur myth, right? And he talks about how uh, a lot of people go out, start their own business, but they're missing some components. And instead of finding and enrolling others that are good at those areas, they try to do it all, which is why, you know, 90% of businesses fail in five years. Uh, there's the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. And most people aren't all of them. So you want to you want to look at that and and be you know cru crucially hard on yourself as to what your your expertise is, and then hire people or get people enrolled in consultants that can really do that because you know creating a really good business um, you can do some of it yourself, but having the best people doing what they're best at is just an amazing way to not only does it make you look better, but you grow and are more uh, efficient and productive um, than you ever thought you could be because those people just do. We've got this little superstar on our team who's, she's 20, I think she's like 22. She, uh, she does all of our, our artwork and our graphics and our, our um, creative. And she's like the most organized and, and you know, person that like, and she's so talented in what she does. And having someone around like that, that can turn out that kind of material, it's just amazing. Uh, it's, and it's something that I can't do. Right. Um, so that's, those are the things. And I think, you know, obviously social media is another thing to be, to be really affluent in social media and, and, and do market research in social media or, or, or even in person, but to do market research, to make sure that whatever it is you're trying to do is something that's needed, that you're, you're providing a service or a missing that people actually want before you go out and spend a bunch of money and time doing it. Right. I think that's great advice. I actually just listened to a podcast yesterday. I can't even remember which one it was, but uh, it said that it's almost a disservice to try to do everything because you're not letting someone who's actually good at it do what they're good at instead of like putting out your own like half-ass shitty job at your graphics or whatever you're doing. Um, you should really let yep. someone else do it. Um, I just want to touch on what you just said about getting to know the numbers, but also getting to know you. So getting to know the numbers first, was there, um, besides hiring someone, was there something that you did to learn that? Like, did you take a course or was it just experience? Um, what was really, how did you dive deeper into the numbers to get good at it? Yeah. So I, I mean, first of all, it was 20 years of basically failing at that. Um, and <laughs> 
learn, <laughs> learning, learning as I, I went, but not fast enough. And then, you know, when you take on a project of this size versus what I've done previously, you are thrown into the fire pretty quickly and realize that you need to get your stuff together pretty quickly. So um, I have the privilege of having a father who, who does help me and uh, has been preaching know the numbers for a long, long time. But I also have another, I have a, another uh, great uh, group. It's a company called Fit Capital here in town that raised a lot of my money and like the, the construction financing and some of the mes debt. And these guys, you know, have really pushed me as well. And, and they're really, really great in that space. And so again, it just touches on what we we're talking about. Find the people that are the best at what they do in these areas and not only allow them to do that for you, but learn from them. Cause that's, you know, why reinvent the wheel? These guys have been doing this for a long time. And so I've learned a lot from those guys in, in terms of the financial stuff. Right. And then I'll ask you the same question for the personal side. Cause you did mention you're into the whole personal development thing. So as you were going through that process, was there specific books or podcasts you read? Was there courses you took or was it the same thing where you kind of had the mentors and you kind of just learned along the way? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, the the catalyst of of that was a a course that I took about ten years ago here in Calgary. So, uh, you know, I took that course and it was it was life changing. It was absolutely life changing, and it was a personal development course. But then the next course that was involved with the same same company was more about taking now that, that personal development out to the world. And that three years of work that I did with that with that group uh, really changed the trajectory of of, of my life. Um, so in doing that and having this new mental mindset of, of, uh, personal development, then, then I began to absorb and magnetize books and podcasts and all kinds of things towards me and became somewhat of a consumer of all things that would help me learn and grow. And do you have a like favorite resource that sticks out to you or just there's just new ones and better ones every time. Uh, well, books, I mean, there are, I, I won't even, there's like so many, but like I said, how to win friends and influence people was a huge thing for me on how to, um, you know, associate with other human beings. Right. Uh, I've obviously, I've learned a lot of that too with, with some of the work that I've done, but um, think and grow rich was another one, you know, talking about knowing your numbers and, and, and understanding the way that you operate and what you can create in the world and having confidence in that. Um, but there's a lot of books. There's Code of the Extraordinary Mind was amazing. It was a mind blow to me about how to create end goals and how to, you know, think in new ways. Um, Tools of Titans, Timothy Ferris interviewed like all the billionaires and millionaires and successful people in the world. And you get, you get snippets of all the best of what they said on all of his podcasts in one book which is super amazing. That, that book actually, when I read that is, is how I started this project because I decided that I wanted to build buildings because of that book, which is quite amazing. Um, like I said, E-Myth Revisited. There's, there's, there's so many, and the podcast too. I mean, I, I could go through a bunch of podcasts as well, right? But uh, yeah, no, there's, there's so many, especially now because you can like listen to books and podcasts and you can really just listen until you, your ears fall off. Um, it's how I feel yeah. sometimes you're trying to consume as many as possible. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. and how do you manage a work-life balance? It seems you are very busy, but how do you recharge, take a step back and find that balance? 
if there's a balance. Some people don't have one. <laughs> well, I, th I think the first thing for me is that like, I really enjoy what I do. Like I really, really do. I know it sounds sort of cliche, but it doesn't occur to me like work or that I'm stuck somewhere. So that's one thing. I mean, there's obviously things, you know, sometimes that, that aren't, aren't great, but I love what I do. I love creating new things and I love, you know, the reactions I get from people that, you know, get to live in one of my spaces or, or, or looking forward to, you know, Scarborough 17. There's some of our, our buyers in Scarborough 17 are just amazing. And they're like, they're so stoked to, to get to be living in this building. So that propels you and it just, it just gives you such good feelings. So, but aside from that, you know, delegating to the right people as we've sort of touched on is a huge thing because, you know, it allows you to, to work smarter and not harder. Like, like we said, and if you've, if you've got good people doing things, it also takes a lot of the stress off you because they're doing it better than you could have, you'd be doing it yourself anyways. Uh, and then prioritizing your time. Uh, the way that I see my role in this machine is, you know, requires clear thought and direction, which I think is the most important thing. So I, I need to be clear and understanding where we're going so that I can then guide the ship, right? So reading and, and, you know, personal and company innovation and development is something that I do a lot of. And I, I want to make time for that because I feel that's very important. Um, so that we've got an overview, like a high level view of, of, of how we're going to continue to move forward. And, and I can keep all of the people, you know, consultants and staff and all these different people on track in, in, in that whole, you know, framework uh, when they get off track or when they're, when they're, you know, pushed aside or, or have challenges. So that's super uh, important for me. And to be intentional, to learn to say no to things like to remove non-essentials is, is another big learning um, idea that you, when you run a company and you, and you want to be innovative and, and move forward at a, at a speed that we do uh, to be able to say no to the right things and to remove the non-essentials, the things that, you don't need certain meetings and, and things that a lot of people waste a lot of time on. Uh, that, is, that is a major uh, step in towards being able to spend less time, really, but, but better quality time getting more results. So, um, and then, yeah, I take time for golf. You know, I take time for friends and travel and a glass of wine and, you know, all of those things. I, I think they're important. Uh, and, and allow you to, and if you're like me, the thing is, is no matter what I'm doing, I'm looking for how I could learn and get better and grow. Uh, and, and which, which helps my business and helps me relate to people. So, uh, you know, the work-life balance, I, it's, it's a mindset for me. It's an overall mindset all the time. Right. Well, I like that. And it's, people can't, everyone has a different work-life balance. Like you said, like if that's what works for you and that's what you enjoy, where other people need it to be more of like a separation. Um, so I like how you explained that. Yeah. Um, and let's narrow it down a little bit. So what are some of the daily practices that you use uh, to function at the efficient and effective level that your business demands? <laughs> so uh, I did a, another podcast or no, I did. I've, I've been doing a lot of videos for our Instagram page uh, in, in line with, you know, teaching people things and, and giving people value and whatnot about our projects and stuff. And one of them was, I, I talked about some of my, my daily practices and more specifically um, some of the nutrition stuff that I do. And some of my buddies uh, 
made fun of me. So, but I'll get into it. <laughs> we, yeah, please do. Talk about it. Um, uh, so for me, like sleep is, is, is pretty important for me because I do go at a pretty quick pace most of the day and, and you know, that I need to recharge. So I'm a seven or eight hour kind of sleep person. I know some people, you know, the, the Robin Sharma's and the, some of these guys are talking about five and 6am clubs that just doesn't work for me. And that's fine. I understand the way, you know, what I need there. So sleep is thing and nutrition is another big thing. So I wake up, I've got, I've got definite, um, you know, practices and the way that I go about things in the morning. Uh, and I eat a lot of like brain foods, right? So I've got this, I've like, it's, I, it's crazy. There's like all kinds of stuff I put in this, <laughs> this thing. I'm not going to get too much of a feel, but like MCT oils, right. And spirulinas and blueberries and walnuts and dandelion root, and turmeric and hemp and cocoa and diatomaceous earth and all, all of this stuff that I put in these dishes and these shakes that, you know, I've studied at length as to their effects and what they do, but there's also a placebo that when you're feeding yourself good things and you feel good, you're, you're going to perform better. Um, and I do, I do, I do meditations. Uh, usually I don't have a lot of time to do, um, you know, long ones, but I do, I do a 15 minute neural meditation every day and it's neural music. It's, it's neuroplasticity music that helps connect left and right brain and create new neural firing patterns. So that's something that I really like. Um, I think exercise is extremely important. Uh, that's been proven scientifically a lot of ways too. So I, I, I exercise every single day as well. Um, and then of course the readings, the podcasts, the growing, all of that stuff is, is, uh, contributes to that. And finally, I would say for me, a daily calendar where I've got my day planned and, uh, that's not to say I can't pivot and I can't adapt, but when I have my day planned and I know what I need to do, I find that I, my time management is better or more accurately, my time wasting management is better. So that's, those are some of the things that, that I do every day. And did those all happen before you get to the office or is it kind of like split up throughout your day? No, that's pretty much most of that's, yeah, first thing in the morning. Obviously the, the reading and stuff that, that can be fit in and sometimes it's later. Uh, but most of that stuff happens uh, before I get to the office. I work from home a lot too, so I can, I can sort of pour it in, but. No, I think that's awesome. Um, I'm a, I'm an early morning person. I'm a 5am, 6am kind of person, but I still have the same strict routine um, that you do. And I totally find that the calendar thing helps and to do lists and all of that, just get it set up properly. Yeah. Um, I have a couple last questions. We kind of already talked about this, um, the books and podcasts, but you didn't mention any podcasts. So now I'm going to ask you for top couple of podcasts that you would recommend for listeners. Yeah. So yeah, I won't, I won't get any, any more of the books. Trust me. I have a long <laughs> list here, but, um, the, yeah, podcasts. Um, there's one by Matt Bodner on, on, uh, I listen to Castbox, and there's one by him called science of success that I've, I've really found interesting. He's, lot, he's got a lot of great uh, topics on that. So, um, cause it's about success, about business, but he uses, he uses science to back it up, which is sort of rare, I think in, in terms of that stuff. So, um, there's another one called man talks, which is by Connor Beaton, which is more about, uh, just men and, and their, their mental states and those kinds of things than it is necessarily about business, but, but that's really good. Uh, and surprisingly, I like, um, uh, Oprah's, uh, super, what is it? Super soul Sunday, super hour. Yeah. Super soul. Yeah. And super soul is her, is her podcast. I believe. Yeah. 
because uh, she she gets some just really great guests, right? And and so very interesting. Um, Tim Ferriss, Tom Bilyeu, Robin Sharma, Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, all of those guys. Some of that stuff pertains to real estate only. Some of it's about growth. Some of it's just, I mean, Gary Vee is just awesome because he's constantly <laughs> throwing material at you. So yep. <laughs> all of that stuff. Anything that keeps my brain moving at, you know, 100 miles an hour. And I usually listen to that stuff at least one and a half times too, so I can, you know, consume it. Right. Yeah, I've heard lots of people that do that. I haven't moved it faster yet. I still listen at like the one speed, but I've heard tons of people that like, just like slowly make it faster and then your brain can, can keep up. So <laughs> yeah, I'll try yeah. That. well, I'll do it. I'll, I'll listen to podcasts a lot of the times when I walk the dog, because there's, there's other science, you know, that does talk when you're walking and, and learning you, you do absorb it better. So. Oh, interesting. Good to know. I listen to podcasts and I walk my dog too. So maybe tomorrow. I'll speed it up and see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, do it. Awesome. And where can people connect with you, um, Scarborough, all of that online? I think the best place for, you know, for Scarborough is, is the Instagram account, Scarborough17YYC. Uh, that's, you know, that's our most active probably and my videos and different things are there. Uh, that's Scarborough with an O, by the way. That's one of our, one of our nemesis things is it's a, uh, B-O-R-O, -O, it's not the Ontario one. So Scarborough17YYC, uh, scarborough17.com is, is another one. We just launched a new website. It's really great. It has lots and lots of information about that project and whatnot. Uh, and then, you know, LinkedIn, I think is great. Bo Developments is there, or my, myself too, Jason M. Smith on LinkedIn. By all means, you know, connect with me uh, if, you, if you're interested. I think those are the best places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and sharing everything that you told us. It was awesome for both the home perspective and for business. Good. I appreciate it, Rachel.